The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, the Saskatchewan Water Security Agency says there's little reason to worry about spring runoff from last week's heavy snowstorm. We'll hear from Patrick Boyle with the Water Security Agency. Viterra Port Facilities in Vancouver and Montreal are the sites of picket lines set up as the Public Sector Alliance of Canada strike is into its seventh day. We'll have reaction to that strike from the president of the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan, Ian Boxall. We'll also have our weekly overview of the wheat market, which has been provided by Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prohitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. All right, it is the GX24 Airwaves for Health Radiothon, and we are talking to Lori Shute with the uh, RBC, Royal Bank of Canada. And Lori, you guys are down there volunteering today, aren't you? We are down here just having a great time answering phones, and uh, people have been very kind and generous, so we really appreciate everything that, uh, that people are doing. We've had a lot of uh, interest and in donations from the businesses as well. That's awesome. Now, Lori, you guys made, you announced yesterday that uh, RBC made a sizable donation. Uh, we are um, really pleased to uh, be supporting the um, and celebrating those who help us heal. Uh, you know, nothing's more important than the health and wellness of our communities, and we want to be a part of investing in education. Well, as we know, investing in education in healthcare is an investment with many, many returns. So today I'm really pleased to share a gift from the RBC Foundation in the amount of $10,000 in support of the nursing education uh, with the Health Foundation of East Central Saskatchewan. Uh, the program provides funding for educational courses that contribute to the professional development of nurses and other practicing caregivers in the health region. That is very exciting. Now, I, I messed up. The, you didn't tell us that yesterday, did you? No, yesterday was the $1,500 uh, donation okay. as part of the Radiothon, and then this is a separate announcement today that we're pretty excited about. That's what I was thinking, and when I was reading the notes, I'm like, did she? I don't remember that. This is a very big donation. All right, $10,000 towards the education, which, yes, that is so exciting that the Health Foundation is teaming up with Parkland College to bring that to the area for all of our local people so they can stay right here. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I just uh, really want to provide a heartfelt thanks to the first responders and the healthcare workers and uh, the hospital administrators who give so much of themselves in providing care and compassion for others and uh, celebrating those who help us heal. Well, thank you so much, Lori, for joining us again. Thank you for volunteering down there today. And again, a $10,000 donation to fund nursing education. That is incredible. And thank you for supporting the Health Foundation. Oh, thank you very much for giving us uh, the opportunity to talk about that. We're very happy to do it. 
Thank you to everybody calling in to make their donation. Thank you to the RBC. That is huge. 1-800-636-3243. Thank you again. It is all with day two of the GX94 Airwaves for Health Radiothon. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The Saskatchewan Water Security Agency says there's little reason to worry about spring runoff from last week's heavy snowstorm. Patrick Boyle with the Water Security Agency says cooler weather has prompted a slow, steady melt of snow this week. Well, the recent snowfall, uh, although uh, you know impressive for a springtime, it's not going to cause any issues at this point in time. So it'll just add to a lot of those peak flows that have already made their way through a lot of the systems. And particularly looking at the southeast right now, the, the continuous snow cover and the lower temperatures have actually resulted in the slow melt of that recent snow. So it's a losing a lot of that snowpack. And some of the measurements we've taken, it's dropped from 15 centimeters to 8 centimeters today. So And it's not really coming off that fast on the landscape because the temperatures have been so low. So really not expecting a significant stream flow response because of the temperatures and from that melt. So we kind of went from very you know warm temperatures and now it's cooled off and it's going slow. And we think the bulk of that moisture is going to infiltrate into the ground and have a minimal response to runoff in many areas. He says there will be no threat of flooding, even in southeastern Saskatchewan that got the highest amounts of snow. No, no threats of flooding at this point in time. What it's going to do is just add to the current flows that are happening. But because of the temperatures after that snowfall event, uh, we're, we're really seeing a slow, gradual melt. And, and as the, we stay above zero and things warm, and a lot of it's going to infiltrate into the ground and have a, a minimal response. So that's positive. We'd actually like a, a bit warmer temperatures to kind of get things moving along here a little bit more as we get closer to that rainfall season in the spring here. And Boyle says there aren't many areas with high water flows right now. At this point in time, really, the peaks are making their way through a lot of different areas, and, and there isn't a whole lot of situations where we have high flows right now. For the most part, the southwest is getting back to normal, and things are receding there. So even in the southeast, we're seeing some uh, flows taper off into to some of the larger reservoirs and Rafferty and Grant Divine, and in the Coppell Lakes, they continued to make their way through there right now, so that's the water's arriving in most of those areas, but a lot of it's going to be similar to what happened in spring of 2022, so no flooding issues expected, so we will see Last Mount Lake get a bit higher than 2022, so, but outside of that, no, no issues expected. Patrick Boyle is with the Saskatchewan Water Security Agency. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. EX94, Ag Review. There will be slightly more wheat and canola acres seeded in Canada this year compared to last year, if traders and analysts are correct with their estimates. Statistics Canada will release its first survey-based acreage estimates for the 2023-24 marketing year tomorrow. Other than drier and cooler conditions in southern Manitoba, the weather outlook for western Canada appears to be similar to last year. However, other factors such as the potential for flooding in the Red River Valley and volatile global prices could have effects on acreage. Markets farm expert Bruce Burnett says that as long as we don't get extremely regular or large amounts of precipitation in May, we should be able to get the crop planted in a decent manner. He says our soil moisture situation will be good, 
but we don't have excess soil moisture on the eastern prairies. Canadian National Railway has upped its financial forecast for the year after reaping record first quarter revenues from a bumper grain crop and higher oil prices. The sunny outlook comes despite the CEO expecting a shrinking economy throughout much of the year as volumes sag for shipping containers and some bulk cargo. Chief Executive Tracy Robinson says the railway's current volumes indicate a mild recession and it's unclear how long it will go on. However, as overall volumes slip, the company plans to avoid cutting employees and focus on training locomotive engineers. CN and CP Rail supplied a combined 94% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 37, an improvement from the previous week's 87%. The improvement reflects improved performance for each of CN and CP. In supplying 93% of hopper cars ordered on time in Week 37, CN's performance improved from the 88% order fulfillment performance seen in Week 36 and returned above the 90% performance threshold, having now achieved that in five of the last six weeks. CP order fulfillment performance also improved, with the railway supplying 96% of cars ordered, up from the 87% performance seen the previous week. CP also returns above the 90% threshold, having now achieved that mark in four of the last five weeks. A Canadian ag organization is in a transition period as it searches for new permanent leadership. Grain Growers of Canada is seeking a new executive director after Erin Gowerluck departed the organization after five years. She is the new president of the Canada Grains Council. The Grain Growers has established a hiring committee to oversee the process of finding a new executive director. It's also named its interim leadership. Tyler Bjornson and Associates will lead the organization until a new permanent executive director comes on board. In an interesting note, Gowerluck is replacing Bjornson as president of the Canada Grains Council. Bjornson's industry experience also includes acting as vice president of the Canola Council of Canada for nearly three years and spending two years as the director of transformation with Viterra. Prince Edward Island's former agriculture minister is again its current ag minister in a post-election cabinet shuffle by returning Premier Dennis King. Blois Thompson, who was ag minister from 2019 until last summer, was again appointed as King's Minister of Agriculture, Justice and Public Safety, and Attorney General. King shuffle also decouples what was until now the Ministry of Agriculture and Land. The latter file now goes to a realigned Department of Housing, Land and Communities to be led by Rob Lance, the rookie progressive conservative MLA. Thompson is a third-generation dairy farmer and former board member with the Dairy Farmers of PEI. Italy's largest river is already as low as it was last summer, with the winter snow fields that normally save it from drying up over the warmer months having receded by 75%. The drought is already causing people reliant on the Po River to course correct. Navigation of the waterway will soon become impossible if abundant rainfall doesn't arrive soon. The river is home to fishers and boats, feeds rich farmlands, powers turbines, and quenches local populations while also maintaining tourism. 
And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return right after these messages. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. You. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny and 6 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Viterra port facilities in Vancouver and Montreal are the sites of picket lines set up as the Public Sector Alliance of Canada strike is into its seventh day. President of the Agricultural Union with PSAC, Milton Dick, says about 80 people were on the line in Vancouver in support of striking Canadian Grain Commission employees. A report from the Western Producer says the employees are protesting the use of outside grain inspectors. Dick says workers are concerned about the integrity of the samples, saying unregulated inspectors may be biased while the Grain Commission is impartial. He adds picket lines are set up at Agriculture Canada research centres across the nation, including Swift Current and Indian Head. APAS President Ian Boxall is hoping for a quick contract settlement to avoid grain shipment delays. I guess I'm not surprised to hear that that's happened. I think the union will make sure that their best interests are kept at the forefront of this as the strike continues on. He's very disappointed with the impact the strike is having on grain movement. Well, I think that, and that's one of my biggest concerns through all this strike, is that, you know, our products that are shipped through our ports in Canada are needed around the world, and not having the people in place to grade them, that we just don't need at this time when our products are needed, and that's going to trickle down to have effects at the country elevators here in, here in Western Canada, where they're going to be full, and we're not going to be able to deliver our grain and get paid as we go into our most expensive season. Boxall wants the dispute settled as soon as possible. You bet, because if the ports are full and they can't get shipping done out of the out of the port, then it's going to trickle down to the country elevator and we won't be able to deliver it, which means we won't be able to get paid for the grain because we can't deliver it as we go into spring here, which Saskatchewan farmers spend billions of dollars in the spring to put the crop in the ground. He's not happy to hear that picket lines are up at the research centers at Indian Head and Swift Current. And that's another concern is, you know, is the workers on these research farms, they're getting ready to plant as well. And all the, you know, all the knowledge that is gained from these research farms and varieties and disease and, and disease management, pest management, if they don't get that crop seeded, those plots seeded, we'll lose another year, we'll lose the year of research, which is also a huge detriment to, you know, Western Canadian agriculture. Boxall actually issued a statement today on behalf of APAS. Well, I think, I think it's that. I think it's our supply chain. It's, you know, our, our customers are looking at us to, to supply these products, and if we have more delays in our supply chain, we just end up looking like an unreliable source for product. That's a concern. The research side is a concern. I think there's some concern with CRA people being on strike as well and getting tax returns done in a timely fashion that are used for, you know, egg programs and stuff like that. So there's some big concerns in the egg sector with this strike. And I think another one that, you know, Canadian producers use a lot of is the temporary foreign workers program. I talked to a friend of mine today who's 
worker he was bringing in is now delayed in that process as well. So, you know, temporary foreign workers are used across the agriculture sector, and that program has been delayed now. So I think we're just asking, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a union person or a union expert. I'm not a labor expert. I'm just asking them to get to the table and come to resolve so that we can get back on track with what needs done here in Canada. He wants to see a labor deal done quickly. Yeah, you bet. I think the bet, what's best for Canadians is for the government and the union to come to an agreement that works for both parties. And on another topic, Boxall says seeding hasn't started yet where he farms in the Tisdale area. So there's still some snowbanks around in the fence lines up here in the northeast. I think we're, you know, I think within a week to 10 days, guys will be thinking about doing some stuff on the land. So... No, it needs the temperature to come up a bit. It's cool here today, but hopefully things turn around and we'll be in the field here. Ian Boxall is the president of APAS. It's time now for the livestock market conditions, and they're a presentation of Heartland Livestock in Verdon. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for June closed at 164.02 today. That's down 52. August live cattle closed at 162.95, down 50. May feeder cattle closed at 209.42, down 132. August feeder cattle closed at 229.50, up 17. May lean hogs closed at 76.87, down 82. June lean hogs closed at 87.05, down 30. And that's the livestock market conditions. A weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission yesterday afternoon. U.S. wheat futures were lower last week on rain in the forecast for the southern U.S. plains. In the significant purchases and trades, it was a slow week in the cash market. The Philippines bought June-July Australian wheat. Other than this, we heard of no significant wheat trades. U.S. commercial wheat sales were strong at 259,000 tons for the week, resulting in a season total of 18.5 million bushels. Total commitments are now 4% behind last year. We estimate U.S. sales need to only be about a million bushels per week for the remaining six weeks of the U.S. marketing year. And for comparison, last week we did nine and a half million bushels. The attention of the wheat market is increasingly turning towards new crop, which will start becoming available in late June. The International Grains Council released their April Grain Market Report on April 20th. The IGC put global 2023-24 wheat production at 787.3 million tons. This would be a 2% decline in global wheat production from last year. Most of the year-over-year -year decrease in production is expected to come from smaller crops in Russia, Australia, and Ukraine. These decreases would only be partially offset with stronger production in Argentina and the U.S. Global use in the upcoming crop season is expected to rise by another 1 million tons from last year, and ending stocks are forecast to tighten by 2%, or 6.7 million tons. In Canada, or maybe I'll say North America, spring wheat seeding in North America continues to look like it'll have a slow start. 
There was additional snow in large parts of the Canadian prairies last week, and snow still covers areas of Montana and North Dakota. 3% of the U.S. spring wheat area has been seeded, which is 5% behind last year and 4% behind average. For Canadian exports, week 37 exports were 321.8 thousand tons for a season total of 8.1 million tons. There were no exports from Thunder Bay, and just 22.6 thousand tons of wheat was exported from the Bay and Lakes. For Durham, there is not a whole lot new in the Durham market. Most of old crop Durham trade is done, and users will be increasingly turning to new crop supplies. Durham exports in week 37 were 69.8 thousand tons, for a season total of 3.8 million tons. This means that Canada has only about 1 million tons worth of Durham remaining to export in the remaining 15 weeks of the marketing year. Farmers have already delivered 563,000 tons of this 1 million tons into the elevator system. There was nothing exported from Thunder Bay, where Durham's stocks grew by about 2,000 tons to 108,000 tons. We are sold out of old crop Durham and have sold 40% of expected new crop production. On to the U.S. U.S. crop ratings were unchanged at 27% good to excellent. This is still the worst condition rating in the past 34 years and three points below last year. Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas crops are being impacted the most, where poor to very poor conditions are 60%, 53%, and 52% respectively. There is rain in the forecast for a swath of the southern plains. The rain will improve conditions in some regions, but is likely too late to save the crops in many of the most drought-impacted areas. In Australia, Seeding has started in Australia's Queensland, where soil moisture levels are strong. The International Grains Council thinks that Australia's upcoming wheat crop will be impacted by the El Nino. It is predicting Australia's crop will be 27.9 million tons, which is almost 30% less than last year. In Argentina, in Argentina, farmers sold just 50,000 tons of wheat over the week. 20,000 tons went to exporters, while mills bought 50,000 tons. Argentina's mills use about 120,000 tons of wheat per week, which implies their purchases have been running quite hand-to-mouth. Argentina is not seeing any of the usual impacts of the El Nino as the country remains dry and warm as seeding time approaches. In the European Union, while most of the European Union has strong growing conditions, dryness in parts of southern Europe is a growing issue. Spain is being impacted the most, where 3.5 million hectares of crop are said to be irreversibly damaged. Spain grows about 4% of all EU wheat production. Crop conditions in France and Italy are very strong, but the drought is causing water use restrictions in these areas as well. Bulgaria, Hungary, Poland, Romania, and Slovakia have all announced bans on grain and other food imports from Ukraine. The EU Commission said it would ban grain and oilseed imports in these countries until June 5th, but will only enforce these bans if the bans by individual countries are removed. Some of these countries have said they would allow Ukrainian food products to flow through their countries so long as nothing is unloaded. 
In Poland, there are videos of electronic seals being added to Ukrainian transport trucks, which are then escorted by border patrol across the country. In the Black Sea, there's ongoing rhetoric about the Black Sea trade corridor. Vessel inspections in the Joint Coordination Center were halted for two days last week as Russian officials continue to call for the lifting of sanctions on Russian payments, logistics, and insurance. Threats over the grain corridor have been a regular occurrence since it was implemented, but there is a growing feeling that Russia may follow through this time. There was additional saber-rattling with reports that G7 countries are considering an outright ban on Russian exports, which prompted Russian officials to say they would scrap the grain deal entirely if this happens. A closure of the trade corridor, in our opinion, would be more important for new crop, as Ukraine has already shipped most of its exportable surplus of wheat. Ukraine is inquiring about deepening the Danube River so that they would be able to export grains to Western Europe even if the trade corridor closes. The Russian Ag Ministry estimated that their wheat crop in the upcoming season will be 78 million tons, although their estimate included areas that were part of occupied Ukraine. There is no way of knowing what Russia planted last fall, but it likely means that Russia will produce 75 million tons of wheat on their own land. A 75-ton million crop means that yield would be 25% less than last year. Previous estimates put Russia's crop from 80 to 85 million tons. For the outlook, Russian new crop supplies should be ample, and prices are still attractive to Russian growers. Russia will again be an aggressive seller for wheat in the September to December timeframe. The future of Ukraine's wheat crop and their ability to move it remains difficult to assess. Rain in the U.S. will probably not change crop prospects there materially, and while conditions have improved, Canada still needs to get a crop in the ground. We are sold out of old crop and will continue to wait before selling additional volumes of new crop. That's Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Now Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. July canola closed at 726.40, down a dollar 30. November canola closed at 695 dollars per metric ton, down two dollars 40 cents. July Minneapolis wheat closed at 836 and a half, down four and a quarter cents. July Kansas City wheat closed at 803 per bushel down 14 and a half cents. July Chicago wheat closed at 653 per bushel, down 4 cents. July corn closed at 607 and 3 quarters, up a quarter of a cent. July soybeans closed at 1417 and a half, down 18 and a half cents. July oats closed at 334 per bushel, down Four cents. And that's the commodities update. Farm Bulletin Board. Farm Credit Canada is now accepting applications from registered charities, nonprofit organizations, and First Nations, Metis, or Inuit governments and communities in rural Canada for the FCC AgriSpirit Fund. The fund will award $1.5 million in funding this year. The application deadline is May 15th, 
and FCC will announce the selected projects in September. Applicants can view the eligibility requirements, past projects, and apply online by visiting www.fccagrispiritfund.ca. Since its inception of the FCC Agrispirit Fund in 2004, FCC has supported 1,529 capital projects in rural Canada, totaling $19.5 million in donations. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Cloudy with a 30% chance of isolated showers. Winds south-southeast at 20 to 35 and a high of 7 degrees. For tonight, cloudy with a 60% chance of late showers. Winds south-southeast at 15 to 30 and a low of 3. For tomorrow, an 80% chance of early showers, then clearing. Winds west-northwest at 20 to 40, a high of 11, an overnight low of 0. For Thursday, partly sunny, a high of minus, uh, make that plus 9. Friday, mainly cloudy, a high of 13. And Saturday, partly to mainly sunny, a high of 11. In the Paw and Brandon, it's 6 degrees. Swan River is at 8. Dauphin, 7. Show Lake Russell and Roblin, 5. Regina, 7. Saskatoon, 11. Hudson Bay, 9. Broadview, Mooseman, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 6. Indian Head, 5. The Yorkton, Melville region has a sunny sky. A southeast wind at 28, gusting to 39 kilometers an hour. 52% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 6 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.